This is Geeks and Jacks. Welcome back to Geeks and Jacks, episode 130. Recording the day before Thanksgiving, November 23rd, 2022. This is Ryan Sullivan. Glad to have you here. Uh, before getting to this episode, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits. So, probably be one of the shorter episodes, because I mean, there isn't really much to uh, to discuss. Uh, briefly talk about Walking Dead and the box office, Black Panther doing Again, but with a big drop. Talk about running a game store, like what what I would do if I ran one, and one or two other things along with sports and TV in this episode of Geeks and Jocks. So let's head to the box office because, well, it was definitely festive for uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. Made over sixty-six million, and as it stands right now, should be around three hundred million, or close to it as of now. Uh, two ninety-four uh, domestic, two fifty-seven internationally, five hundred fifty-two plus uh, worldwide. And this is coming after Bob Eager of who used to run Disney came back and became the CEO again, replacing Bob Chapek. So something tells me something's up at Disney and whatever they're doing doesn't seem like it's enticing anybody. Um, number two is The Menu, which came out this weekend. I think this is like a horror movie, I want to say. I'll just double check that. Comedy horror thriller. So it's up to, as of now, $10 million and $6 million internationally. Seems like it would do okay over Thanksgiving weekend and be one of those modest twenty to thirty million dollar gross films. Uh, number three is a, I think it's a TV show called The Chosen, and it made ten million, so probably just a weekend only thing, or maybe it's in theaters for a little longer. I don't know. Uh, Eight point seven million uh, for the weekend. Number four is Black Adam, which made $4.6 million. So its total is nearing $160 million, uh, domestically and a little over $200 plus million. Still around. I mean, get whatever they can. Number five, Ticket to Paradise, which made just over $3.1 million. So it's already eclipsed its budget here in the States. It's at nearly 62 mil and 95 plus mil internationally. So, make some sort of profit, kind of. So, number six, uh, another debut one, She Said, which is the uh, the Me Too thing in Harvey Weinstein. Disastrous. 2.2 million. It's only made 3 million worldwide. 
I just don't think people are interested in some politically fueled crap. Even if I do think Harvey Weinstein's a scumbag. Especially with a controversial movement such as Me Too. I mean, I just don't get it. These these type of scandal films never do well. If, if it's based on like true events, I feel like most of the time they never do well. Uh, number seven, uh, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, made 1.9 million, so it's it's still still going, still going, nearing 80 million worldwide, 43 plus domestic, 35 internationally. I mean, it's crazy that this movie's still going. I mean, it's not a failure. That'll say. It's not. It's not a failure. Uh, number eight is Smile, which made 1.1 million. I believe it's on digital services now and streaming. Still not stopping it from making money. 104 million domestic, 109 internationally. It's made over 214 mil altogether. I mean, crazy. Uh, Smile, followed by Pray for the Devil, which made just over 900,000. So, roughly 18 million in each each aspect, so 36 million worldwide. And number 10, The Banshees of Inisharan, which has made 700,000 this past weekend, and as it stands right now, just over 7 million domestic. Almost nine and a half mil internationally. So yeah, a lot of other movies after that. It's like two hundred thousand or less. Coming up soon for this week. We actually, got some movies I think out right now. Bones and All just came out today. Strange World and Devotion. So these are your big movies that are hoping to cash in. On the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm just going to take a look at Bones and all for a brief second. And this is a drama horror romance. According to all, these, all these numbers, by the way, courtesy of BoxOfficeMojo.com. Strange World. Take a look and see what that is. Oh yeah, that's an animated Disney film. I wonder if that eats into what uh, Black Panther's doing. But it is an animated movie for the for the holiday season, so maybe that's what uh, Disney hopes to cash in on. And Devotion, which is that that one pilot. During the Korean War, and one of the Navy's most celebrated wingmen. Huh. Alright. And after that, just a bunch of limited stuff for the next 10 days up until the 2nd. One wide release, and that is that horror movie. Or action film, to be more specific. Action thriller, Violent Night. 
with a Santa Claus that that kills terrorists. Well, mercenaries, as it says. That's something I might actually think about seeing. I haven't seen a movie in the theater in about a few months. And really just a lot of a lot of international releases. Uh, yeah. Uh, going on to sports. It's just going to be really just the NFL. Not really anything that is worth uh, bringing attention to outside of tomorrow with the Thanksgiving games between Buffalo and Detroit. New York Giants facing Dallas and Minnesota facing uh, New England for the night game. And that's actually going to be on NBC. So the big game for Thursday night was Tennessee and Green Bay. Ryan Tannehill back into form again. Derrick Henry threw a touchdown, and uh, he ran for a score too. So, doing a little bit of everything. Uh, 87 yards rushing and a score, but 3.1 average for the game, but two catches for 45. Austin Hooper with the big scores. Yeah, I believe, yeah. Hilliard with a touchdown too. Green Bay, well, their run game's crap. Aaron Rodgers can only do so much, as can the receivers. But this Watson guy, five touchdowns in two games. Holy crap. If this guy's going to be the number one, going to be a fight between him and uh, Lazard, the way I look at it. Uh, Tennessee, 7-3 and three for the year. Green Bay, 4-7. and seven. Cordero Patterson, one of the big reasons for uh, Atlanta winning against Chicago 27-24 5 and 6 they are i think one of the few teams to still be in that hunt for a playoff spot Chicago drops to 3 and 8 So Justin Fields I mean not so much the passing 153 a score and a pick he's running it pretty well 85 yards I think this is the fifth straight game that I've seen based on some sports websites 60 Fifth straight game with 60-plus yards rushing. This guy is up to, I believe, 800-plus for the year rushing. The way he's playing, now, I don't think he'll keep doing it every game. I could see him legitimately beating out the, I think it was, what, Lamar Jackson from three years ago. I could see it happening. And David Montgomery got himself a score as well. Mariota, not exactly a great game, but balancing out a number of backs. Although, it'd be nice to see someone be the lead back. And Patterson, with a 103-yard uh, kick return touchdown, his ninth in breaking an NFL record for kick return touchdowns. Although, they did lose, I believe, Kyle Pitts for the rest of the year due to injury. Defense doing its job, stopping fields. Uh, five and six, like I said, for Atlanta. Three and eight Bears. I think the Bears' season's about over. Jeff Saturday almost pulled the upset, uh, but Indy lost uh, 17-16 to Philadelphia. Four, six, and one now. The Colts, Eagles sit comfortably at nine and one. Uh, offensively, not that great. Jalen Hurts 
no interceptions, but 190 and a score. I believe he did fumble, though, at one instant. He was the leading rusher as well, and no one else really ran the ball that great. Uh, really uh, relying on Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. No one else was making any impact. Although they made some big plays when they needed to defensively, and this is coming with uh, the Dominican Sue and Linval Joseph uh, signing on to be with the team. So that bolsters their chances of being the divisional winner pretty well. Matt Ryan didn't throw any interceptions, didn't throw any touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown on 84 yards. Taylor also put in a few catches, but not much. Michael Pittman, the leading guy for the Colts as far as receiving yards go. Defense doing its job, but I mean, this team could could find itself in a postseason spot potentially, but need to basically win all their games to even secure a spot. <laughs> um, where are we up to? Boring, boring, boring. Abysmal Zach Wilson. Mac Jones doing well. The run game not that great in New England. The run game not so great with the Jets. That's how bad the game was for them, for both sides. A punt return touchdown with about less than 10 seconds to go. Yeah. New England won 10-3. Both of them sit at 6-4. and four. The idea of an AFC East with all four teams getting into the playoffs seems more likely, kind of. I'm just going to take a look defensively. I mean, six sacks for the Jets. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, about four sacks for New England. See that Judon guy. He's leading everybody. Yep, sack and a half. So I think he's up to 12 and a half or 13 for the year. Definitely making a huge impact. Washington gets back into the plus 500 percentage. 23 to 10 victory over the 1 8 and 1 Texans. 20 to nothing at halftime. Taylor Heineke didn't do much. Uh, the running game doing decent with Gibson and Robinson. Gibson actually leading and rushing this time 72 to 57. Just not a not a great game. Davis Mills looked pathetic. The run game was pathetic. Could not stop Heineke. Could not stop the run game. You'd think they'd be good, but nope. And the Rams just continue to look worse and worse. Three and seven for the year now against now a four and seven Saints team that beat them twenty seven to twenty. Stafford looked okay with 159 two scores. Uh, run game looked a little better, but not by much. I know they just cut uh, Daryl Henderson, so his time is over. Defense kind of there. Who's man? 
good game for Andy Dalton, 260 and three scores. That run game's still not doing anything good. David Johnson is actually back and playing this time with the Saints. Man, you wonder about the what-ifs of that guy. Because five years ago, he was unbelievable. No, six years ago. So far, his career hasn't been the same since then. Big sacks when they needed to. Three and a half altogether. I just don't think both of them have a fighting chance to be in the playoffs. Buffalo, back in the win column. 31-23 against Cleveland. 73 Bills, 3-7 and Browns. Jacoby Brissett's just balling. He had a really good game, 300-plus passing, three scores. And this is with a bad run game, which, yeah, Nick Chubb had a really bad game. Less than 20 yards rushing, although he did add three catches for 48 yards. Amari Cooper had a really good game. The Peoples-Jones guy got a score as well. Josh Allen, eh. But some good running. This is something they needed to do. They ran the ball with Singletary and Cook. Both each had 86 yards and a score for Singletary. The Knox guy actually had a good game. Leading receiver for the... For the Bills, although Diggs found the end zone himself. Although defense do got to do a better job. Actually, Cleveland, Cleveland got one more sack compared to Buffalo. Miles Garrett still a sack guy. Baltimore continues their winning ways, seven and three uh, this year against a three and eight Panther team. Lamar Jackson did play, and that was an illness that they expected him to play and all that. Baker Mayfield, less than 200 and two interceptions. What a mess that team is this year, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if some of it's on on the coaching or some of it's on Mayfield or if it's all on one side. But the run game atrocious. No one could really get any yards except for one guy. Run game not so great in Baltimore. Although, Lamar did run for a score. I believe one of the bigger things that happened was uh, Mark Andrews hitting, I believe it was 4,000 receiving yards. Saw something like that uh, on Sunday. Uh, Big defensive stuff, including, oh man, is that Jason Pierre-Paul? Oh man. Still can ball. And they, I mean, they got some good guys up there. Justin Houston, Calais Campbell. I mean, they're 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 not the team I think that will represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, but I could see them winning a playoff game or two. Detroit having their way with New York, thirty-one to eighteen. Lions on paper are not a bad team. It's just. This team could be, I think, either a 5-6 and six team or a 6-5 team, and I think they would have their name in the postseason if it weren't for some heartbreaking losses. I mean, Goff really didn't do much. It was just Jamal Williams running it. 
and I mean defense stopped Saquon Barkley and despite two interceptions I mean Daniel Jones had his best game passing although they did lose one of their guys to an ACL injury this Robinson guy I don't think they sacked Goff at any point nope they did not I'd assume Detroit I think uh, reading something that the Hutchinson guy actually had a really good game. Yeah, where is it? Yeah. No, I thought he, I thought he didn't have a sack. No, I thought he did. Yeah, never mind. A couple of them got sacks. 7-3 Giants and 4-7 and Detroit. Right now, they're second place in their division, the Lions. Though it's not saying a whole lot. Raiders, they won a game. 22-16 to in overtime against Denver. And not something to be proud of. Third overtime loss this season to for Denver. And this team's supposed to be really good. But, yeah. How do you explain it? How do you explain it to people? Come on, stop giving me the Raven score. I don't know why this is loading so badly. Alright, finally. Derek Carr had a pretty good game. 300 plus, two scores. Josh Jacobs. Pretty good game himself. No touchdowns, but definitely aided in the passing game a little bit. Along with 100 plus rushing. Devontae Adams finding the end zone a couple times. Big plays when they needed to defensively. While Russell Wilson, well, no touchdowns, no interceptions. 247, only ran it once. Latavius Murray still still balling with uh, finding his way into the end zone. Melvin Gordon, big fumble in the game. And they cut him. Five fumbles this year in about ten games. Not a good situation for that. And honestly, it just seems like... It seems like their season's about over. Now, while the Vikings season is not over, as I think they'll be the divisional winner in the North... 40-3, they lose to uh, Dallas in embarrassing fashion. Dak Prescott had himself a really good game. The fact that Cooper Rush played a little bit says something. Ezekiel Elliott found the end zone twice, but Tony Pollard ran the ball more, and he actually was the leading receiver. Six for 109 and two scores. The rest, well, not so great. Let's see how many sacks they wound up getting. Seven, yeah, seven sacks on Kirk Cousins. And is it Mullins, I think it was? Yeah, Cousins, what, about 105 passing, and Mullins threw for about 54. Dalvin Cook, 70-plus yards, which is okay, but no one else did anything running. Their leading receiver was Hawkinson with 34. Not a good situation. And they didn't play well defensively either. 
coming off that high of uh, beating uh, Buffalo in convincing fashion. Well, not convincing. In a big comeback. Uh, eight and two. Uh, Minnesota. Seven and three. Uh, Dallas. Bengals keeping their playoff hopes alive. Six and four now. Thirty-seven to thirty victory over Pittsburgh. Who was three and seven for the year? The run game still not good for the Bengals and Joe Burrow. 350 plus in four scores, although two interceptions. Samaji Perrine, three touchdowns in the air. Joe Mixon actually caught himself a few passes himself, so that makes up a little bit for both of them being bad with the run game. And, you know, keeping up with the Steelers and making sure they held on to victory. Uh, Kenny Pickett, decent game. Najee Harris, really good game, finding the end zone twice. Uh, Pickens was the receiving touchdown guy, the Freyermuth guy, doing really well. I mean, definitely a testing ground for how things will fare next year. With if you know, as long as Pickett develops. He's going to be really good. Excuse me. Chiefs. Another big win. 30-27. to They're now 8-2 for the year. Against the LA Chargers. Who lost to them. 5-5 five five for the year. Pat Mahomes. 300 plus and 3 scores. All the touchdowns to Travis Kelsey. This Pacheco guy ran for over 100 yards, so I don't know who's going to be the starting back for for the Chiefs. Could be could be him. Could be Edward Zelaire. I mean, it just seems like there's never there's never any confidence, in my opinion, on who's going to be the starter. Justin Herbert, kind of respectable game, 280 and two scores, but one pick though. Eckler ran for 80 and a score. Palmer guy wound up with two scores. Keenan Allen had himself a really good game coming back from injury. Just can't do anything to stop Mahomes. And some of the big plays also defensively. Getting to Herbert when they needed to. Five sacks. And Monday Night Football. Mexico. 49ers, convincing fashion, six and four now, thirty-eight to ten victory over Arizona, who dropped to four and seven. Jimmy Garoppolo, really good game, not so much yards at two twenty-eight, but four touchdowns thrown, two each to Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. Kittle, the leading receiver, and Christian McCaffrey, not too far from behind, seven catches for sixty-seven. Uh, Mitchell, uh, the leading rusher, with 59. McCaffrey next with 39. Although Debo Samuel did find the end zone rushing. 
definitely some big plays defensively and getting getting uh, Colt McCoy to still throw interceptions. As they did with uh, Trace McSorley, too. 59 yards and a pick for McSorley. 218 and a pick for, uh, for McCoy. James Conner found the end zone, though not a good day rushing for him or the entire team. There's some good catching from Hopkins and this Dorch guy. But otherwise, they looked really, really bad. And I got that feeling in my head that it's not going to be good for Arizona come come the end of the year. You wonder how big of a hot seat Cliff Kingsbury has. I mean, McDaniels obviously has it for the Raiders, and there's probably one or two other things, uh, other teams that might be thinking about getting rid of their coach. It's just a matter of when. Speaking of getting rid of... There was something I read recently about Kauffman Stadium, home of the Kansas City Royals. Big deal when it came came to business back in the 70s. When you think of Kauffman Stadium, you think of that center field area with the water park, well, the water fountains and all that. To me, that's iconic. But the idea, according to several websites, is looking for a stadium within downtown. Uh, It's going to be disappointing, I think. I don't know how liked or how hated Kauffman Stadium is, but, you know, it is what it is. It's a, what, 50-year-old, it's a 50-year-old building I'm going to take a look at that for a brief second. Because I believe it came about in the 70s. Kaufman. Yeah, here we are. Kansas City, Missouri. Opened back in 73, so it's not even not even 50 years old yet. In another five months. I'm not sure how long they'll have the stadium. But, yeah, definitely seems like the idea of them going somewhere else. I'm sure. There's a time and place to replace stadiums unless, you know, iconicness. I mean, I don't see... Unless things change, I don't see the Cubs moving out of Wrigley Field. Obviously, Fenway... The way it's built around, I don't see Boston going away with it. Not without that green monster. I'm trying to think of like other stadiums as well. Camden Yards, I don't see I don't see that park disappearing anytime soon, despite being thirty years old. I'm trying to think of other stadiums. I mean I can see Tampa getting out of their stadium at some point. There's no way they're gonna have Tropicana Field forever I mean the design made sense before Camden Yards came about but Tampa came in 98 and all this other stuff I don't know I don't know how to explain it 
But yeah. Oh man. So not a whole lot else to talk about TV wise. I mean, I wonder how nerds feel recently. It just seems like just bad news here and there. I'll start with the first one, and that is The Walking Dead. Now, I'll go out and say this. I'm not a fan of the TV show. I tried it. Didn't like it. That's all I'm going to say. But its series finale did end the show on Sunday. And so, 12 years on the air. I'm going to look at that. The Walking Dead series finale ratings. Big bump. According to Screen Rant, largest viewership in nearly two years. One of the least watched season finales. Season finales or series finales? Final season, first episode only garnered 2.2 million. Just worse than even the first season. Bad. So, 2.27 million viewers. Narrowly misses the title of the least watched season finale, which remains at the season prior. Yeah, many of it's like the biggest things that have hurt. I think with The Walking Dead is the fact that you have people leaving the show and the writers and you know production crew killing off people and all this. I mean, just thinking about it. I mean, I'm not a like I said, I'm not a fan, but to get rid of. Rick Grimes, your your hero that was the hero in the comics, and they also got rid of Carl during the show. I think that was within the last few years, and I think from what my brother told me, uh, like do like a pay dispute or something. Like this was a show that ran probably a few seasons too long, and you know I'll, he also said that it probably would have been better because he read the comics probably would have been better if it was on an HBO than an AMC channel I would I probably would I probably would watch it if it was on HBO if it was I probably would have given it a chance because I feel like you can get away with more stuff and tell stuff more fluidly on an HBO or a Showtime, Cinemax, whatever. You gotta tone... I mean, despite TVMA, I mean, probably was toned down quite a bit on AMC. And obviously, twisting things in the in the show where it doesn't follow the comics one by one. Though I'm sure with the way things were six years ago, a lot of people were still 
hanging by a thread with what was going on with the show, being on the edge of their seat. I don't know. But regardless, kind of ended on a whimper. Not sure what the reception is, but the interest isn't there. And I think AMC trying to expand with all these spinoffs over the last eight years, it just oversaturation. Trying to cash in on The Walking Dead for all it's worth, and yeah, I just think it. I think it's blown up in their face quite a bit. And where do you go next for the network? They don't really have anything. I mean, they rely on a lot of airings of '80s movies and maybe some modern stuff here and there. Although tomorrow they'll air um, The Godfather. Just to go on a rant, just a tiny bit, just go off topic with that. They don't air the third movie until overnight. Just air all three movies in order. Don't just do one, two, then go back to one. Do one, two, and three. You're not hurting anybody if you air the movies in order. I know three ain't as liked compared to two in the original, but come on. These networks need to stop doing that. Uh, And also, there's been some stuff going on with um, Power Rangers. Next year, it will turn 30. And definitely in the eyes of, like, looking at the comic stuff and nerdy stuff, one of the uh, sadder things was, I think his name is Jason David Frank, and he played Tommy... He played as Tommy in the original show, and according to all stories, he passed away from suicide at the age of 49. So, pretty sad. And this is also part of a year where, six months ago, the the Red Ranger played by Austin St. John, uh, got a, got charged with uh, fraud, trying to defraud the government. So, I mean, definitely not a good year for, for Power Ranger fans, at least for people that love the original. Um, and this is coming off of about a week or two prior with, um, the passing of Kevin Conroy. Uh, this guy is mostly known for doing the 92 Batman cartoon, playing the title character. Uh, I know a lot of people like the guy. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of him. I think he is overrated. And I think people overrate him and that version of Joker. And, yeah, I mean, but I'm more partial to, like, the... I'm more partial to, like, the 80s Michael Keaton-type voice and character version. That's that's, that's just me, though. But, yeah. You know, sorry. You see uh, stuff like that happen. I believe with Conroy, it was cancer that 
took his life, unfortunately. Age of uh, 66. Not too young, but not that old either. You think some of these guys would last until they're about 80, give or take. Regardless, uh, pretty sad to see some uh, people well-recognized within these uh, nerd communities, geek communities, and all that. You know... Man, so I'll end this episode with, if I were to run a game store, what stuff would I do? What well, what systems would I carry? What Would it just be gaming only? Would, would I go other routes as well to go with the gaming? Because I've been around game stores here and there over the last decade where... Some have just been strictly gaming. Some have been gaming with maybe some small stuff here and there, like toys and uh, nerdy stuff, music. And some have been like board games, so that kind of counts as like a, a, you know, hobby shops type stuff as well. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to start with, I would definitely start doing, like, gaming only, and maybe do board game stuff as well. I think I would do both of those at first. If I were to carry game systems, I would definitely start with anything NES and ups, the original Nintendo and up. But, that doesn't mean I would ignore the older stuff prior to it. I would definitely do Atari, mostly. I would do 2600 and 7800. I think the biggest problem I would have with any of those would be the reliability of the Atari 5200 due to the controllers and the original model being a combo of having an adapter to plug in both the video and the in the AC adapter I think that would be a I feel like that would be a big fire hazard and obviously like I said the controllers being god awful if if I did find a ColecoVision or an Intellivision I would gladly take it in and sell them the question is the rarities of these two particular uh, systems. Would I be able to find them? Same thing with the uh, 5200 and 7800. Would I be able to find anything, you know, in, in the wild or if someone would bring in their um, own stuff, you know? But yeah, I would definitely. Original NES, I would definitely do. Although I would warn people on the original model and how unreliable it is, I would also I would try to find alternative NES type stuff. Granted, it's not going to replicate the original in any way, but if people want to play Nintendo, 
I will find a way to make sure people get a chance to play them in certain ways necessary. But I would definitely focus on trying to get top loader models and, you know, try the original, but if I keep getting returns on original front loaders, I probably would try and find an alternative. At least that's how I would do it. Um, Super NES, N64, GameCube, I would take those in. Try to get any game that I could from there. Uh, we definitely would definitely need to keep eye on which of those would uh, have the backwards compatibility, if the controllers are, are, are good. I mean, controllers need to be good on everything, but with the whole motion control thing and if batteries um, leaked at any point, and that will apply to other systems as well, like the Xbox 360, definitely have to keep eye on that. But really, anything Nintendo for home consoles. Uh, Switch would be a nightmare, though, but still bring them in. It's the whole uh, drifting thing that leaves me very, very concerned. And obviously, they're handhelds. Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, the DS line. I would gladly sell those. Uh, Virtual Boy. If I find one, actually not too recently, I've seen some uh, Virtual Boy games. I, I would, I would like to try a Virtual Boy out just, just for shits and giggles. But probably would be headache-inducing. <laughs> um, Sega-related stuff, um, Genesis, obviously, Dreamcast. If master, if there's master system stuff, I'll I would gladly do that. Um, if Sega CD, if I could find Sega CD stuff from people, sure I would I would sell it. But I feel like that would be very hard to find to you know one that works along with some of the games as long as in making sure that the games are not cracked. You know you know the cases are not cracked. Same thing with the Saturn. I, I I would definitely do Saturn if someone brought in their Saturn stuff. 32X, yeah, cartridge system. I mean, though I would have to make sure that all the necessary components and wiring is there. Especially if I were to sell it to someone who had a Model 1 Genesis because it needs like a special like extension or cord to connect the video of the Genesis Model 1 to the Model 1, to the AV of the 32X. I think as far as all Sega stuff, I definitely would uh, sell them. I definitely have to keep an eye on uh, Game Gears with bad capacitors. That's going to be one nightmare I don't want to have. So anything from Atari at that point. I mean, definitely a 7800. If there was Link stuff, I definitely would make sure to have. You know, I would. I would definitely sell. Same thing with Jaguar. If if they if people are willing to sell them, and I sell them to others, just gotta keep an eye on the prices. I would definitely be interested in selling 3DO. If anybody had it, Turbo Graphics as well. 
trying to think of other Neo Geo Pocket Color. Sure, why not? Neo Geo probably be out of the out of the question because who's going to have a Neo Geo? Those things are probably the probably the hardest to find for any of these uh, major home consoles. Anything PlayStation? Absolutely. PS1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, Vita, PSP, I'll sell. Um, uh, Microsoft, yeah, no doubt. Selling anything Xbox related. Trying try to think of any other game systems. Maybe Tiger Game.com, even though it's not a good system. If I would do imports, I think I would do imports if the store was that big. But I don't. If I, but if I were to run a store, I'm not sure it would be huge. I think that would definitely be the biggest hurdle. Otherwise, I probably, like I said, I probably focus on gaming and maybe board games as well, like. Maybe like maybe like game themed board games like a like a Fallout board game and uh, you know stuff like Carcassonne and some of the that other stuff. I'm not sure I do toys. I'm not sure I do movies. Probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't do music. But depending on how things would go, if I ran a store, I would definitely expand. But I would need to have like a like a question on like what would be the next category you know what category would you want me to do next so that it don't lose focus on the original running of why to run this particular store but yeah that's all I have really to say for this um, episode and really just wanted to end on a decent note you know hope people greatly enjoy uh, their Thanksgiving break or just enjoy the day in general for tomorrow. Um, like I said before, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, and Google Podcasts. So add on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jocks. Plenty of content awaits. So with that, that is episode 130. This is Ryan Sullivan. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself. Take care, everyone, and happy Thanksgiving.